You know, Dano Seasoning is changing the world one table at a time by offering the best all-natural low-sodium seasoning products on the market. Dano's goals are to provide you with real flavors to make healthier food choices without ever having to sacrifice the real taste. Dano's includes low sodium, which is only 50 milligrams per serving. It has all natural unrefined sea salt. There's no sugar, no MSG, no chemicals, and it's completely gluten-free. Also, there's 100% natural ingredients. Dano's seasoning is the most versatile seasoning on the market. Grill, smoke, bake, create soups, sauces, marinades. You can also sprinkle Danos on your eggs, your potatoes, maybe some pizza, maybe some pasta, and even while you're watching a movie, sprinkle some Danos on popcorn. Heck, if you're crazy, why don't you put some Danos on ice cream? Any food that exists, you can put some Danos on it. Go to danosseasoning.com, use my promo code HodgePodge, capital H and a capital P in HodgePodge. Guys, remember to do that. Um, just like the spelling of the podcast, a capital H and a capital P in HodgePodge. You can try all three flavors, which include original, spicy, and hot chipotle right now today. It's damn good. Yum, yum. Get you some. I'm your host as always, Dylan Hodge, but you guys already know that. I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter at I am Mr. Dylan Hodge. You can follow me all there for all the updates on the podcast and all that good kind of stuff. You can listen to us anywhere podcasts are available, which is where you've pulled up to right now. You can listen to us over on the YouTube channel, the HodgePodge podcast over on YouTube. is The, the icon is the podcast logo, so we're kind of easy to find. But wherever and whenever you are listening to the podcast, I really do truly appreciate you for doing that um it makes my heart happy every time i see the streams go up each and every week it just knows that i'm doing i'm doing something right and you all know it's monday you know what that means today on the podcast we've got singer songwriter dan harrison on the show today um we're talking today about dan growing up in philadelphia and kind of what the country music scene is like there in the land of hip-hop music. Dan is also chatting it up about if you ever thought about quitting college to chase the bug of music. There's discussions about Marvel versus DC movies, uh, mine and Dan's most anticipated TV shows and movies of the year, all that and more over an hour chat right here on the podcast. Without further ado, let's go over right now to me and my bud, Dan Harrison's conversation on the HodgePodge podcast. <music> hear me yeah man what's going on dude not too much how are you good man you doing Pretty all right tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah tired i uh i drove back i was driving back to nashville last night from uh from out of town so got back late and yeah <laughs> but it's good looks like a nice day out and um yeah can't complain you're in uh, mississippi right yeah where in mississippi I am in a small town called Wiggins. It's kind of right there uh, by Biloxi, 
by the beach, stuff like that. So 45 minutes from there. Cool. Well, it's nice and near the beach. That's the only thing I hate about Nashville is, well, there's something, other things I don't like, but uh, <laughs> a lot I love. But the one thing I definitely don't like is how far we are from the beach. That's always like been so annoying. So I, I grew up not next to the beach, but a lot closer. So, um, but yeah. So. so so you're a beach guy because because i'm not like i i hate the beach i can't stand it oh really that's funny um i mean i think about this all the time because my my family and i like we used to go to the beach in the summer but sometimes we'd also go to like the lake like a lake house kind of situation i love and, and i went to summer camp for years and there was a lake but it also wasn't far from the beach it was in massachusetts so on on like near the coast I, I don't know. I go back. I love the beach. I don't know if I love it more than the lake. It's it's like they're different vibes, but I do, I do love the beach. And I sometimes joke with myself, like I, since I moved to Nashville, I've written like a lot of beach country songs, weirdly. That's just like a lot of songs that I've, that I've been a part of. And I love a lot of them. My real last name is Siegel. Um, it's pronounced like the bird. And it's just like, man, I should have just I should have just stuck with my real last name and just done all beach country songs been the next like jake owen or kenny or kenny because i love beach stuff and it's pretty easy and and fun to sing and play and um so i guess i kind of am a beach guy in some ways and i and i didn't even realize it I, it's not like i i didn't grow up you know shirtless all summer you know on a boat kind of situation like some other friends of mine who i feel like are much more actual beach bums and you know fished a lot i love that stuff but I'm, I wasn't, I wasn't quite like that. So I do love the beach though. It is, it is, it's just the overall vibe, you know, something about being near the water. Why don't you like it? Man, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just, it's hot. It's, it's wet. You get sand everywhere. It's, it's, I would much rather be inside where there's a lot of air conditioning. So I'm not blaming you. I'm I'm not the best at uh, going out because I'm kind of hard to please. No, I get that. Well, I also like seeing the girls in bikinis, so you know, <laughs> there's a, that's the easiest place to see that. Unless you're, I guess, I guess there's you know pools and whatever, but um, yeah, no, that's kind of kind of where that is. <laughs> but um, thanks so much for having me on here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, uh, it's my pleasure having you on here. After we've been trying to do this for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> schedules, yeah, yeah, our schedules have just been crazy because i'm doing these i don't know three four sometimes five five days a week and it's i try to give myself one or two days off a, a week you know just trying to get my thoughts together um but i yeah. can't imagine your schedule being a musician and you mentioned you were traveling i was traveling as well yesterday doing business and it's yeah. it, it, it's crazy trying to get people together so I can't imagine like I, know, I can't imagine people getting like these big time celebrities. Like if my schedule is crazy, I can't imagine what like Dwayne Johnson's or Kevin Hart's schedules like. It's probably like ridiculous. Well, so you know it's funny like you would think that, and I think maybe that's true to a certain extent. But they also have like you know personal assistants and handlers right. and stuff. But I actually also think, from what I understand of like you know famous songwriters and artists here in town that you know that i look up to i think actually it's not as crazy as you would think the when they're when you're that when you're like at a certain level of fame up to because 
I think you get to that way because you learn how to say no to things. Cause I feel like, you know, you, there's, they, you start off and like when you're like ambitious and wanting to do stuff like you or I, like you want to say yes to everything. And that's definitely what happened when I first moved here. And I still say yes to a lot of stuff, but kind of being more uh, precious of your time. Cause the more fam famous and successful you get, the more people are going to want to ask of you and want of your time. And uh, that's just like a common theme. I've heard a lot of people I look up to talk about and say is like, learning how to say no and, and having a lot more free time. So I think there's, there's, there's always exceptions. I think there's, there's definitely some folks that are like crazy and, and they have probably like, you know, maybe more business oriented famous people, but um, I don't know. I think, I think especially maybe with musicians and songwriters, a lot of the more famous ones have like very like open schedules. Cause they, cause when they do, or it's, or it's at least balanced. Like they have like they're on tour or writing for like a, a, a specific period and then they take like three months off. So, but they can afford to do that, you know, because they're who they are. So um, it's interesting, but yeah, I feel like I never, I'm, I definitely feel the way you feel. It's rare that, I, and especially since the pandemic and things started to open back up, it feels like everyone's kind of maybe catching up you know, trying to make up for lost time the last couple of years. So it just feels extra hectic, you know, even I was, I, I'm obviously the pandemic was a terrible thing and, and no one wishes it happened, but I'm not going to say I hated, you know, chilling for a little bit, you know, for the, for that first summer, it was cool. And then after it's like, all right, let's, uh, you know, let's, let's get back to it. <laughs> so, but uh, do you, anyways. do you have trouble? Because I, I find myself, having trouble not just professionally but personally saying no like because i feel if i say oh. no it will make me look like the biggest douchebag because it makes me like you know what i mean like it, it 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 won't but there's just something inside where it's like i can't say no because a i don't want to disappoint people and also you know it's just i have that trouble saying no and and all no, i I think I'm absolutely that same way. And like I said, like I've had to learn being here, uh, start, starting to say no to things, but I really, it's, I definitely would say, I think a lot of friends and people of, of uh, that know me would say that I'm a people pleaser, even though like, I don't like to think of myself that way. And I don't think I am in, in kind of like an obsequious way or like, kind of like really like, you know, those kind of ways. But I, I think that, Definitely. It's hard. Cause I, you know, FOMO is just real, especially here in Nashville. There's just like something going on every, every night, every day. And, you know, uh, but you just can't, like when I first moved here, I, I think I was out every night for, you know, three or four months at, at, at something. And that's cool. And that's when you first move here and you're meeting people and whatever, but, and I could still be doing that now if I wanted to, it's just not possible. You're going to burn yourself out physically, emotionally, psychologically. So as hard as it is to say no, sometimes you, you gotta, I, I, I'm starting to, but I definitely feel like my instinct is the same as yours and I, and I, and I hate doing it. So there's just not enough hours in the day. I mean, there, I feel like there's, there's like 10 TV shows I'm trying to catch up on that like started yeah. <laughs> and restarted. And I'm like, fuck, I gotta watch those. And then, but then like my friends playing a show or like, I got this show. It's like, there's just, there's so much content. 10 albums dropped for 10 different artists. So, so like, there's just, yeah, 
saying no is really important. And I've, I've again, circling but a lot of people have said uh, that I, that I look up to or like that I have given talks or whatever. I feel like I've said the power of no and, and the more you do it, the more successful you become or like the most successful people know how to say no, which is, which is sort of counterintuitive, but it, it's really interesting. So, yeah, but yes, it is. Uh, I'm in the same boat as you. It's hard to, it's hard not to. I, I don't, f- here's how I feel about, you know, cause I, I also am like a people pleaser, you know, I just find it easier to be a people pleaser because it'll get you in and out of the door as quickly as possible. You know, it's like we, we were having some troubles with our neighbors and I was like, just, just, just fuck it. Let, let them do whatever they want to do. I don't care. I, leave them alone. Let, mm-hmm. let them do it because it's like, if you're going to argue, then it's going to turn it into a whole, a whole spill. And it's like, it's just easier to, to, to just be a people pleaser, but it's also like it feels damn good when you stand your ground and you say no for the first time. It's like that sigh of relief. Yeah, I mean, so the, the thing and the thing with the the initial rush of like saying yes and like, OK, like that person is you know happy. You do, I just you get it. You could get into a situation where you end up saying something you say saying something with your mouth that you end up can't can't cash to you can't back it up you know whatever that phrase is like your your mind is saying things that your heart can't cash whatever the expression if you like put too much on your plate i mean i was in that situation recently you know where i just like said i was gonna come to this thing and i wanted to and but i got held up at this other thing i kept saying i was gonna come because i wanted to go but i didn't want to leave the other thing and i just I couldn't, I should have just said, look, I'm not going to make it to that thing tonight. And I, 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 I'll have to be there next time I'm at this and I'm having a great time and it's just hard to leave. So, you know, it's, it, it's, there's nothing wrong with, with saying yes to things and being people, ple- uh, people pleaser in that, in a certain sense, but as long as you're not spreading yourself too thin and then like having it backfire and just cause and may end up making more people angry than, than we would have by just saying no. So <laughs> I, uh, I definitely, uh, I definitely think that it's important to kind of find that balance for sure. Yeah. Especially when. Go ahead. So I was just, especially with like someone like you or I, like we don't work regular nine to five jobs as far as I can tell at least. So when we're making our own schedule and it's a lot easier to like set and feel like we have more time, but we have the same 24 hours as everyone else. You know, what What was that point in your life where you were kind of like, because I can share personally, you know, I had a lot of people that would say, okay, let's do the podcast. And like, we would book it for a certain day. And then they would just like not show up on Zoom or they would would worry about, okay, we're booked for an hour, but I only have 30 minutes or whatever it may be. I finally right, had to right. sit my ground and I finally had to be like, you know what? there's a new set of rules here on the podcast. New set of rules is if you don't show up on time or you're 10 to 15 minutes late without an hour warning, I'm going to charge you because it makes, and I I was so afraid to do that, but I was just Mm -hmm. getting so burnout on people doing me wrong or the fact Mm -hmm. that people would just want to come on the show for 20 minutes, promote their shit and get off. And it was, but once I finally did that and I sent it to like, uh, I have certain publishers that come to me to, to interview their artists 
And I was, yeah. dude, I was scared to death when I first sent out the new rules. I was like, cause they're not going to want anything to do with me, but you know, once yeah. I sent it out, they were like, we understand, man. I was like, it made me look more professional and, but it's just, it's well, just, yeah. That. And you know, go ahead. And you know, you're, and so I was just saying, you know, your worth and you're like, I like sometimes when there's less rules and boundaries, people it's, it's confusing and people don't know what to do. If you set even a basic expectation, it just, it just makes, it makes a difference. You know, we're, we're conditioned to follow rules or at least understand them. And so I think, yeah, no, I, I understand it can seem scary like that to like, like, it's the same way with me. Like I, I you know, having to say no to certain opportunities because I'm already involved in, in other opportunities that I love that are great, but and I feel bad saying no to those ones. And I'm like, oh, shit, they're never going to come around again. But then the people totally understand there. And, you know, we find a different way to make it happen or it, or it happens later. So it's. Yeah, I get I get I totally get that. But you got to do. Yeah, you got to do what's best for you and, and protect yourself and, and stuff that's valuable of your time. So it's it's especially hard when you're, you know, I guess. I would say independent or a freelancer or whatever you want to call it, kind of like the things that we are. So, um, yeah, no, I totally, I totally get that. You mentioned that you were so. trying to catch up on some TV shows. What, what kind of, what kind of things are you watching nowadays that you're trying to catch up on? Uh, well, new season of stranger things obviously came out. I haven't, haven't watched it yet, but trying to watch that. Um, never saw it. Never saw stranger things. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it. I, I feel like it's always so long between seasons. I feel like I need to watch the pre the prior season, but I think they'll probably do like a couple minute recap with the important highlights like they always do. So, I mean, I, I like that. I'm a big sci-fi and like, you know, like, I guess comic book superhero, all that kind of stuff. I love that stuff. So um, Star Wars, the new, the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show i'm been i i've been catching up on that because i wasn't able to watch much about the last week or two and um I'm trying to think what else oh uh, there's a bunch of movies i want the new top gun i hear is like amazing i have um, not i have not gotten to watch that yet and i'm like because my parents they were they they're the ones you know they, they showed me a bunch of the 80s movies and it became my favorite year of movies and they're like, oh, yeah. they're like, we want to go watch Top Gun, the new one. And I was like, you know what? I will wait and I will go with you guys because I because you showed me the original. Let's go together mm -hmm. and watch Top Gun. And we just haven't had a chance yet. But I'm hearing it's like the, the yeah. most amazing movie of all time. Like I'm hearing. It's I know it's like it's ridiculous. Like people are literally saying it's like not just better than the original. It's like one of the best movies ever. I'm like, how can that be? But and, and, but then I, also. I mean, I don't want to go into it with such high expectations of this is the going to be the greatest no. movie. And then it just be average. You know what I mean? So like, I, I kind of have no opinion going into it because Top Gun's not my favorite, but I enjoy it. I I always loved the original Top Gun. I rewatched it the other day, like knowing, hoping to have the time to see it this week. Uh, but then I, my schedule got crazy. So I probably won't be able to see it till Sunday, but I mean, I like it, and so we'll see what happens. But um, that's just crazy. I feel, and especially for a, like a long-awaited or a long, long, long later sequel kind of thing. You know, it's amazing. I mean, Tom Cruise looks like he hasn't really aged, which is crazy. Uh, it's that Scientology coming uh, through, <laughs> right? It's the science of Scientology. 
but uh, and I'm sure you know special effects. Uh, I heard some, my dad was telling me uh, stuff about the movie. Like he apparently is like a licensed pilot. He's always kind of done his own stunts, but yeah. he they wanted the in the movie they were trying to get him to actually like fly the real plane and uh, like the F-18s and. The government was like, kind of. That's kind of where they set the line. Like, nah, we can't have a, a Tom Cruise. Even if he's Tom Cruise, he's still a civilian. You know, fly a seventy million dollar plane because you know if something goes wrong. Tom Cruise is such know, a Tom Cruise is such a badass because in the new uh, like Mission Impossible, he's like hanging onto mm-hmm. the side of a plane, and that's like he's actually doing that like twenty thousand feet in the air. And I'm like, there's yeah, no, there's no way I'm doing that. He's 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 ridiculous. He's uh, he's always been. I love Mission Impossible stuff too. He kind of he's like kind of like Jackie Chan in that sense. Like they feel like similar kinds of actors, very physical, also do their own stunts. Um, but uh, yeah, no, he's badass. And so, no, but so I heard that, and then I also heard so there was a lot. It was a very like real film movie. Like there wasn't a ton of CGI when they're up in the air and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like. They were in the actual planes. They just had a pilot, a real pilot in front of them, piloting like a military guy. And they put cameras all around their their seat in the second in the in the in the second seat behind. Um, and then CGI'd the back of the plane to look like the front of the plane so that it looked like they were flying it. But they were actually in the air, the G forces and everything were real. Like it was very they tried to they tried to keep it as real as possible. So it's like um, Keanu Reeves when he does the John Wick movies. Like he goes into like strict Navy SEAL training, and it's like cr- it's crazy. It's like you're going all that out for a movie, but then it's like, but look at the movie you got in return for them going the extra mile. Oh yeah, I, it it shows, man. I mean, it's the same thing with in music. Like, there's a lot of technology that nowadays that you know you can CGI stuff or fake stuff, and like similar equivalents in music, but it always comes across more when when you do the real thing and you put in the actual work like it always i think makes a lasting impact or there's a difference between real instruments and you know in in digital instruments depending on the thing but um yeah i think it's i think it shows and that's why these guys are legends because they put in that work and um it's very inspirational i'm i'm glad that i don't have to do my own sons of music though because <laughs> I think uh, I don't know how I would fare. I, I I wouldn't be afraid to, but I don't know how. Co- sometimes I I'm coordinated. Sometimes I'm not. So right. <laughs> I just think too much. So, um, but yeah, no, really, definitely want to see that. So uh, there's probably a few other things I'm I can't think of off the top of my head, but there's but, just so much to see. So, what's a certain TV show or a certain movie that you watched and you're like, wow, that's that's me. Me. That's me. In what sense? Like, okay, I'll give you an example. Like, I am one of the biggest fans of Breaking Bad, right? I I consider that to be one of the greatest shows to ever be created. Well, then, yeah, most. Well, then they created Better Call Saul based on the lawyer in Breaking Bad. I was not going to watch it, but then people Mm -hmm. are saying this is amazing, so I started to watch it. And I, I believe this to be better than Breaking Bad. Uh, unbelievable. Um, but, but his, his story of not, not the, the criminal part, but his story of people don't want him to succeed. And he's trying so hard. He's trying to open up a business, but people keep shutting him down. He has people that just, you know, when he's down on his luck, struggling. And I, yeah. I, I seen that in myself. I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of like me to a certain extent and to a lot of people. Yeah. 
Um, hmm. I have to think about that. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I think there's, we always, you know, have our idealized characters that, you know, we wish we were like, 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 a, like a Tom Cruise in the movies and maybe yeah. not in real life because of the Scientology thing. But, um, yeah, I, I have to think about that. Uh, the top of my head well if you just think about it if if you just think about it throw it on a chat you can just throw that out there yeah sometimes sometimes questions like that catch you off guard and and i'm like shit i like feel like the second we hang up like i'll have the answer yeah but uh (laughs) yeah i'll I'll marinate on it it's i'll marinate on it i mean i know like i don't know i was kind of um Yeah, I'll have to keep thinking about it. Let's, let's <laughs> so, yeah. I kind of want to go back into a little bit of your backstory for a little bit. Um, so sure. you were born in LA, but then you were raised mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, right? Yes. Um, moved to Philly when I was about five. Uh, I just learned recently that there's a, there's a Philadelphia, Mississippi, as well as there. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's where uh, that's where good old Hardy's from. He's from up there. Yeah. Oh, and I. And I and I know that as well. I, I have a dream, you know, if he listens to this podcast, my dream is he's one of my favorite writers and artists in town. I'd love to, I'd love to get in a room with him someday and write a song called Philadelphia. Um, you know, about his Philadelphia versus my Philadelphia kind of. That'd be kind of cool. Bridging. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how it would shake out, but that'd be cool. I mean, you know, there's a lot of other it's, songs I'd love to write. I, I have, so, so. Your, your 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 dream is to have Hardy. My dream is to have all like people from Mississippi that are like so like successful and famous now to be on the podcast. I mean, hey, I do have the biggest podcast in the state, so I mean, I don't think that would be too hard. But I'd be like, no, getting, they'd be getting like Morgan Freeman, like intimidating people that'd be scared to death to interview because it's like uh, Mor- I didn't I didn't know Morgan from Mississippi. Morgan Freeman that. was born here. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know, and Faith Hill, I know, is from Mississippi, Faith Hill, too. She's, she's from Star, which is uh, it's a couple hours away from where I'm at. A good, maybe hour 45 on a good day. Um, Johnny Cash grew up in Mississippi, but obviously he's not alive. So, no, no, he was Arkansas. He was Arkansas. Sorry. Elvis Presley was born here in Tupelo. Elvis Presley, Tupelo, obviously. I, I know I have a couple friends who are from Tupelo here, some art, other artists, and uh, um, Trent. Trent uh, what, what's his name? I can't remember. He won American Idol a few years back. Trent Tomlinson? Uh, no, no, not Trent Tomlinson. Okay. I love Trent Tomlinson. Is I he think from he's, Mississippi too? I think so. I think so. There's another, it's a much younger Trent. He's like blonde, short hair. He won American Idol. Like, oh, okay. I'm not sure. I, I have to remember his last name. He, he had a song on the radio called There's a Girl. Let me, let me, let me walk it up. We'll look it up real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, why, a, but while you're looking that up, I got a question. Yeah, Trent Harmon. Trent Harmon. Sorry. About growing up in um, Philly. Um, Trent Harmon. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know you okay. I know you're talking about. So, but 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 growing up in Philly, is is country music big over there? I mean, I would imagine not because I, I figured it would be like a big hip hop scene. So, I mean, I I grew up listening to a lot of classic rock and hip hop. Okay. Um more so classic rock, like big into like Van Halen and Springsteen and Queen and 
John Mayer, not classic rock, but like, you know, current rock of the day, uh, blues and stuff like that. Uh, funnily enough, I didn't realize this until I was older though, but the, the radio station in Philly is XTU is like one of the biggest in the country. The, the market in Philly is actually pretty huge because it services the whole, you know, surrounding area of which, uh, there's definitely like a high concentration of country fans, um, in Jersey and Delaware and, um, Virginia and Maryland, like parts of, and, and certainly like you get, once you get outside of Philly and Pennsylvania, it's pretty, it can be pretty country for sure. Um, but I, my exposure to country, I listened to some growing up kind of like coincidentally. Um, I remember seeing walk the line when I was younger with my dad and, um, he liked Johnny Cash a lot. So I listened to a lot of Johnny Cash and that movie always made an impression on me. Um, my mom loved, uh, she loved Shania Twain and there's a funny, uh, kind of overlap with Shania Twain and classic rock because her husband, ex-husband, Mutt right. Lang, who right. wrote, wrote and produced all her songs with her. He was also one of the biggest rock producers ever, like ACDC, Back in Black, Def Leppard, except like iconic. Crazy. It's Cra crazily iconic. Crazy, crazy iconic. Um, and then wrote and produced all the amazing songs with Shania too. So love Shania, always love Shania. And listen to a little bit of Faith Hill and, and Leanne Rhymes and Gretchen Wilson too from with my mom. So a lot a lot of like the nineties and early two thousands, like kind of women of country, which I think is such a classic and amazing era in country music. Um and but I didn't really like get into it until college. I went where I went to college down in North Carolina and uh just kinda of, kind of just being there and that was what a lot of people were playing all the time and I I just uh, got a lot more exposed to it and, and had friends that liked it. And like, oh, you got to check this out and listen to this guy or that. And so I had direction that I didn't have before. So that's kind of where it came from. It's funny. I, I Hardy was on a podcast, the the and the writer is podcast. Um, right. And uh, and he was uh, and he said it blew my mind. And it, it, like, I mean, he's from Mississippi. He's from the country. He's uh -huh. you know he's still raised that way. But he apparently didn't really start listening to country music until he was 18. He was more into rock and metal like I was. Right, like. right. See, I, I'm kind of – I'm a little bit different because when I was growing up, my mom and dad, all I was allowed to listen to was was country music because everything else – Everything else was considered to my mom devil music. Like, I mean, there was no, there was no way I was going to listen to Gene Simmons and Kiss. There was no way I was going to listen to oh. any of that because – just because their 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 artistic portrayal of the devil, she always thought mm -hmm. that they were devil worshippers. Like <laughs> it was crazy. Oh, well, but, so I mean, I, it was definitely an image they put on. It was a bunch of Jewish guys from New York, right? <laughs> Just right. Uh, but I started listening to classic rock maybe around I don't know seventh eighth grade, I, I would say, and yeah. then uh, it kind of just took my mind to a whirlwind and that's kind of you know i listen to country as well but it's I, mostly it's it's classic rock you know that's 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 my favorite genre of all time i think i i mean i love classic rock that's what made me who i am in a lot of ways i think son and and that's so country music what drew me in was like the songwriting and 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 the lyrics and and stuff like that but sonically what country music is today is more like classic rock i mean right. there's like obviously like there's hip-hop and pop elements but you know the generation that 
we're a part of that is making music in Nashville now grew up with classic rock just as much as and like John Mayer and, and hip hop stuff as they did with country music. So it's all those kind of influences being uh, molded together and you're hearing in, in so many different ways. I think country in a lot of ways is what rock used to be or, or has been for a long time. It's this kind of overarching genre that has a lot of different subgenres that that are being played around with. I mean, it has the classic and the traditional stuff that will always be there and and the traditionalists that stick to that stuff. But, you know, just like country had like, or rock, like had blues rock and progressive rock and jazz rock and all these different like hybrid things where people would explore and, and create new and crazy sounds or punk rock. Like I feel like country is sort of having that experience with all the different vibes. Cause you know, you can have something from the same radio station playing a George Strait song to playing like a Sam Hunt song or, you know, some other guy who's super poppy. And I think that's great. It's it's a testament to country's vitality and how so many different people can relate to it and, and feel um, that they can use that genre to express themselves in a way that's, that's authentic and relevant to them. Because um, I met Ryan Hurd one time and he was talking about how, I mean, he's from Michigan. He's not, you know, a country boy either. And, but it's just what drew him to country music is what drew me to country music is, the authenticity and the storytelling because I grew up playing guitar and singing from a young age but I didn't really honestly start songwriting until later because as much as I loved the classic rock songs and and all that it didn't I didn't really know like how to write a song like that like I could like maybe make I can make guitar parts and like but lyrically and I maybe it's because I was young and didn't like have a life experience but I just didn't know what to do and for whatever reason when I got to college like it all kind of came into focus and like oh you can just write about your life and even be like what and whatever you want. It just, it just made something clicked. It just made sense. And I was a philosophy major in college too. And, um, I think country music, uh, I love some of my favorite country songs are the ones that are like the life songs or that kind of deal with like bigger issues and kind of have some depth to them. And so I, I always thought, um, that's sort of what drew me to want to be a songwriter is yeah. to is to write songs like those like I, I i love a good up-tempo and a party song like everyone else but the songs that i that like you know the legacy songs the songs that like make you dry, stop and like totally change your view on something and um that's something that country music does really well and that's kind of what drew me to it and sonically you know when i was in college the, the bands that were coming up you know the jake owens and the florida georgia lines and in the Eric churches, it was a lot more, there was a lot more of a rock sound that like, oh, I get this. I can like, I can, I'd love to make songs like this and, and feel like I can credibly sing, you know, my, my kind of thing with that sort of sound and that would work. So yeah, long, kind of long story short, no, no, it's good. I basically kind of got, got drawn to it a, a little later, but um, yeah, I love country music. I love, I love so many genres to me, like, especially in this day and age, you know, you know, with streaming and everything, genre is becoming less and less strict and, and it, and it shouldn't be like, I, I get having fidelity to certain things and, but it's mostly genre was created for like marketing and label and radio purposes. It's, um, but the best, I think the best guys and artists, you know, guys or girls, whoever they are really, uh, kind of take all their influences and just make it them, you know? So, yeah, that's, I, that's you know, I, I enjoy the evolvement of music in general, but I also love the 
the artists that can admit that evolve needs to happen. Like I was chatting with um, with my buddy Jeff Bates a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about how he he is more of a traditionalist country artist, but then he writes mm-hmm. music for today's age. Like he wrote a like kind of like a classic rock hit for for Blake Shelton, and he's like, "That's not my type of music, but I can appreciate it." Hmm. I, I feel that I think that I think any writer or artist in town, like if you're if you're an artist that also writes for other artists, mm. you know, it's about wearing different hats. Or if you're just a writer in general, it's like you have your songs that you prefer or like I know what my style kind of is. And like I'm obviously, again, from Philadelphia, like I'm not going to say I was born and raised on a farm and I'm so country and this and that. But it's fun to write those songs with with the guys that are for them i've learned a lot writing those kind of songs with with the, with with you know a lot more country people than me so i think you can i think uh, i think a true artist and someone who's a creative and like can appreciate a lot of different things that isn't aren't always like their thing if that makes sense mm-hmm. so you know I, I i certainly have there's a difference i'm always trying to write a song that i would write or that i would also record or sing or play but um you know sometimes obviously if we're if i'm in a room that day and it's very specific to that artist and they're they have a very different life experience or, or brand or approach you obviously write right for them but uh I, I can totally appreciate i'm kind of i'm kind of i guess maybe more the opposite like i love the traditional stuff and totally appreciate it i i'm i lean a little bit more modern and pop and kind of rock stuff and 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 so yeah it's i totally agree with him completely so you went to college in North Carolina, you said, but then you mm-hmm. moved to Nashville in 2018. Was there ever a thought about quitting college and then just chasing the music scene full head on? See, I was, I started off as a music major in college. Um, I went to run track first. I didn't go to like a Belmont or a Berkeley or, or one of those Pacific. I went to Wake Forest and uh, um, I loved it. It was a great time, but um, I didn't, really i didn't think about the actual specific music schools too much and i I, you know probably should have but um i so i was taking some music classes but it was like more classical and like music theory it wasn't really i'm not gonna say it wasn't irrelevant because of course music is music but um i wasn't like learning how to songwrite and stuff like that so i don't know I, i i guess like i've been wanting to do music since i was really young but um I kind of always thought that even if I was going to do music, I was going to finish college at least. Um, I, w- I hadn't really thought about just cutting and running because, first of all, I think my parents wouldn't have been happy. But um, if I didn't have a plan and just, you know, doing that. But um, in hindsight, I mean, I think college was useful in a lot of ways and definitely like for the uh, draw from a lot of experiences and memories for songs. But um I don't know. It might have not been a necessary thing in, in, in depending on how you slice it, but um, it would have been nice definitely to like be at a school in Nashville maybe and like kind of be in town sooner and kind of make my way around it and make connections. But, you know, at the same time, maybe if I, if I had, you know, cut and run and moved here, I might have not been ready. I might have been too young, like, and, and, and I would have not handled rejection the way that I handle it now. And I probably would have like just packed it up and gone home. So um, I don't, I never really had a specific thought. No, but 
I knew I always wanted to do music. It was just kind of figuring out the when and the how. So I graduated, worked for a couple of years back home, tried to figure out how to get down here and and got down here. So, I mean, I always wish I got here sooner, but you know, it, it happens when it's supposed to happen, they say. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So when you were like, let's just eight, nine, what did you want to do with your life? Um, I've probably, st- I started music probably around nine or 10. Okay. Cause I had some other friends. I mean, I've been singing like my whole life, like in the shower and like, as I always love singing and, um, I started playing guitar around 10, I think, uh, 10 or 11. Um, I had a number of friends that none of whom play guitar anymore, funnily enough, but they were all like playing, like taking lessons. And, um, my dad always had a guitar in the office. I never really touched. He was like kind of self-taught wrote some songs when he was a lot younger and, but never really pursued anything. Um, but I just saw my, the, and that was an acoustic guitar and I thought that was cool. But my buddy like got like this, the Stratocaster starter pack when we were like 11 and I saw that at his house and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And he was like the friend that was showing me these, these rock artists that I never heard before, like Jimmy and Hendrix and ACDC. So he, that was kind of like what I was like, man, I'd love to do that before then. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I wanted to be Superman and right. um, I wanted to be, uh, I think there was one point like randomly, I wanted to be a Marine biologist um, I don't know why. Like everybody like, else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that was a thing I wanted to do. And it still sounds super awesome, but um, I'm also not really good at science. So, um, but uh, it's, it kind of goes with the beach thing with the, you know, kind of get circling back to where we started talking. Um, but yeah, no, music's kind of been there for a long time. Um, there's, there's a lot of things I love, I love and I'm interested in, 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 um, seem cool, but like there, there's in terms of what do I want to do day to day for the rest of my life and what do I enjoy doing the most? Like music's kind of been that thing for as long as I can remember. So I love, I, I ran track pretty seriously in high school and part of college. Um, and like I had a goal of, you know, maybe like running professionally for a little bit first and then doing music, but uh, that, that just didn't pan out. So for, for a number of reasons, but, um, you know, it's, yeah, so it's, it's where we are, we're here though. We're, we're, we're doing it. So. So you move, let's, let's go forward. You moved to Nashville, right? So when you moved to yep. Nashville, kind of what's the artist's first thought of, okay, I need to figure out how to make money. What's, what's your next mm-hmm. step? Yeah, I was figuring out how to make money, uh, for sure, and place to stay, live. Um, I had a friend from college whose mom works here. I worked worked for her for a little bit, then kind of like in the office, because I had had office experience and and a desk job, you know, for a couple of years. Um, Sort of realized that that was kind of hard to balance with the music life. There are some friends of mine who do it. I don't really know how, but they like maintain a nine to five job and are still, you know, put like making their way through the industry and writing and and going out to things. And, um, but that was just, I don't know, that was difficult for me. So then started working at, you know, a couple different bars and restaurants, you know, I was trying to figure out how to play shows for money, obviously started doing some like cover gigs just off and on, um, around town. Um, and then just, you know, writing a ton, 
just as much as I could with anybody who would want to write with me when I first got, this goes back to, you know, the saying yes thing, say yes to everyone and everything. Um, Cause I think you, you, you should back then. And that's how you like meet your people. And when I was starting out, I'm very glad I did. Um, but yeah, a lot of, uh, <clears throat> a lot of different odd jobs too, you know, kind of just whatever you can do to, to get by. But once I had that, you know, a place and, and some sort of semi-regular job, it was just like trying to fill up my schedule with writing sessions and, um, and, and shows as much as I could. And like, like I said, being out every night, if I wasn't playing a show, I was still at a show meeting people. And, um, yeah, I still try and balance that, um, and, and go out as much as I can. But, uh, like I said, you also got to take care of yourself and as you know, personal time. And, but, uh, yeah, so that was kind of, did that, did that answer the question? No, sort you're of? good. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> Sometimes I get on a train and I like, I know I'm in the area of what I, of where we started, but I'm like, did I actually succinct wrap it up? You know? So, <laughs> right. But. Do you have like a, cause obviously we're in the business of owning our own business. I mean, that's what musicians do. Right. That's what I'm doing. We own our own business. So do you have a business bone in your body kind of, or did you have to figure it out on your own by failure? Um, I think a bit of both. Uh, I think the music business is a business. Sure. I think it's kind of unlike any other business. Um, as you know, just the particulars of it. Uh, my dad's a businessman and a hardworking guy, and he's always been inspirational and he, he's all, and thankfully always been supportive of my dream. But what's something that I kind of learned from him was to, Hey, you can have a dream and, and know that you can't have everything planned out, but at least have, a couple of steps. Don't just go in flying blind. Like, okay, you're going to move to Nashville. Sure. You, cause you want to become a successful, you know, country artist and songwriter. That doesn't happen overnight. There's no one path to do that, but start somewhere, have a, have a plan to get there and, and okay. So what do you got to do? You got to write songs. It, it, it taught me to think, you know, structurally. And so, okay, here's all the things I want to do. Here's how I can make them happen. So I think, I have an organizational kind of mind as it relates to business. Um, I can't say that I'm the best with, uh, you know, investments and money or like I, I, that stuff is just not my wheelhouse. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm good with like personal finances money, but um, the business like negotiations and just marketing. And so like, that's just not my strength. And I don't think that's any like true creative strength. I mean, we, I, I, there's certain things that we're good at and, uh, and, and know like related to like, cause some of the content stuff in TikTok and social media is like, we're, is creative and related to your music, obviously. Uh, a lot of it's not, but there's definitely some, uh, on that, on that side of the business that's, that's fun and cool. But so I think I have, I definitely have a, a familiarity with, with kind of business mindsets and thinking and sort of the organizational strategic kind of approach to things. I think that definitely is again, maybe what, what goes back to like why I probably didn't just leave college right away because it's like, well, no, it's still good to have a college degree because a learning is, is fun and always helps. And I think my philosophy degree, I was also a Spanish major. I was a double major. I think both of those degrees really help have helped me as a, as a songwriter and, and musician here in town because 
just the way I think about songs and ideas and stuff like that is, you know, abstractly very, you know, kind of related to the way my brain was trained to think with philosophy. And then Spanish is becoming such a big part of bilingual music and, and pop music and even in countries starting to happen. There's a lot of like kind of Latin artists that are being, that are coming up and um, I love Spanish. I love culture, I love music and all that stuff. And um, so start, I've written a few songs with Spanish lyrics, um, but then hopefully we'll do more. So I again, long answer to your question. I think I have some business attributes and I think, because again, yeah, you're right. A musician is a startup. So it's about how to effectively market yourself and, uh, and, and fi figure out your brand. I think that's the biggest thing. Like as a songwriter and an artist, it's, it's knowing who you are and more importantly, who you're not and how to present that. And I think, I think I've come a long way, certainly with that since I moved here, um, and, and have a much better handle on it. But, um, yeah, so that's I, I, I like to think I have the right tools as a creative and the right understanding of certain business things. So um, that's, I think, so. Yeah, for me, marketing is the absolute toughest thing in business to do. I, I can't figure it out quite how it needs to be done to be a projected success. <laughs> I find marketing to be so hard. Um but also, you're right. What's your brand? If you don't know really know what your brand is, you don't really have a business. You have an idea, you know. It, until you know your brand, what it is, what you, you know, are going for, where you want to be, then you just have an idea that, or, or, or a hobby that hasn't really turned anything. Yeah. No. I mean, that's the difference between, I think a hobby in a business is like being able to market and, and brand it and, and, and sell it for lack of a better term, which is, I don't know. I feel like you host a podcast. You're somewhat extroverted. I'm, I'm a musician and I perform. I'm somewhat extroverted, but I think on a certain level, creatives are all sort are kind of introverted. So it's sort of hard to figure that piece out. If that makes sense. Like I don't love like self-promotion that's like not my not my forte it's hard to do I, because it's hard to do self-promotion because you don't want to feel like you brag every chance that you get it's, it's right. the hardest and, thing it is so hard and 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 what i found in this town especially is the people that talk the most about themselves and, and say that they have the most going on usually have the least going on right and are just seem because the guy the people that are really successful. They, they just let their success speak. They don't have to say anything or be, they're like really nice and humble or like, cause they, they don't have any reason to feel the need to say, Oh yeah, I'm working with this person doing this, like, and this record is about to come out and we're like, it's going to be really big and this and that, like, no, you're not hearing a famous successful artist or whatever bragging that way. It's like, you know, man, I'm just excited to put out this record or, you know, yeah, I'm working on some songs. They're always kind of like chill about it. So I think, self-promotion it's it's finding that balance that's like confidence but not arrogance you know and but that's you know, that's still it's really hard here's a crazy thing that i found that worked for me i got this from actually one of my good friends i went to a local 
fair. It was a big get together for the town. And I uh-huh. got dollar bills and I literally wrote my Instagram and my podcast feed on that dollar bill. So whenever wow. I hand out a dollar bill or I was just giving tips, they would flip the dollar bill over and see the Instagram and the podcast, like the, the podcast feed. And I found that that worked somewhat because you are, it's like you're giving money for people to find you, right. which is like, right. but it's also self-promotion without you having to brag and say, oh, I've had this, this, right. this, 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 you know. It's finding the ways to do it that seem natural and not forced, which I think <clears throat> can be different for everyone. And, and I, I think I'm still finding what those things are for me, especially as it relates to social media. I think, I mean, there's obviously this industry has been turned upside down with TikTok, and I have a lot of friends that have a lot of success and um, have changed their lives and their careers and through TikTok. And I've written some songs that have blown up and it's really cool to be a part of that. But um there's just, it now, especially, it just feels like there's such a saturation of artists. I think it was different early on in the pandemic when kind of TikTok was newer and that's sort of all we had in terms of entertainment. There was nothing else, you know, we couldn't go anywhere or do anything, but I think, uh, I think it's still an important part. It'll, it's a part of the toolkit now and just learning how to effectively find your niche and kind of cut through the noise as with any, any of the other platforms or anything. Um, I think just some people are a little bit more natural at doing that or, or fearless for lack of a better word. They don't care what people think. And maybe I care a little bit too much and, or just like, I see myself, I'm like, ah, cringe. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. But I, I, it's funny. I watched, uh, Taylor Swift gave a convention speech for New York university this year. Right. Um, and it was, it was pretty cool. Actually, there were some nuggets in there. And one of the things she said was, you know, cringe is unavoidable in life. Like someone like me, like, especially whose life is in the tabloids, like I'm always going to be looking back and seeing certain things that I did or said or wore, you, you know, whether it was like professionally or personally. And I'm like, Oh, why did I do that? And I feel like you just kind of got to live and you learn and you, and you move on and, and you, and you keep growing from it and, and find the things that don't make you cringe that, best represent you and how to, how to present yourself. So it's, it's all, it's all a process. We're all on a journey, but uh, yeah. So kind of, as we wind down here, man, we've been going about an hour. Um, I, I was talking to um, a friend yesterday and we, we got on the topic of talking about Elvis because that just happens to be both of our favorite artists of all time. And oh, love Elvis. I, rem- I, w- we were talking, we were FaceTiming last night and I was like, we were t- chatting about Elvis and I said, you know, I wonder how much that guy brought in from merchandising, like just at a concert, forget he died. And, you know, they're bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars. They were saying every night that he performed, he was bringing in between three and $6 million just on the merchandise sales alone. Seriously. A night. I mean, and I mean, people were, they were, they were having, I got into this long thing. They were having to bring two or three 18 wheelers, just for merchandise to come at the show because they were selling out every single night. I mean, was this like his Vegas? Or how big were the? How big were these I'm venues? Not, these were all. I, I, I'm assuming it has. It has to be a giant venue, right? He can't come to a small coliseum yeah. and make three million dollars. It has to be, you know, Las Just Vegas, merge, yeah. right? It has to be somewhere giant. But I, I, I brought this in to say this. I, I, could you imagine when you see? 
you know, Elvis, he was just an artist back then. You know, we didn't know he was going to be what he is today, looked upon as one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. And you're just buying a shirt, you're going to see him in concert. That leads me to mm-hmm. say, did have you seen someone, you know, in concert and they just like literally blew up and that like the biggest thing in the world? Hmm. Uh, like before they were kind of yeah. thing. Like I, I, I saw Thomas Rhett opening up. I can't even remember who he opened up for, but it was right, right after he put out that it goes like this or beer with one, one of the, one of his very first songs he put out. And I remember not a lot of people knew what to do because it was the Thomas Rhett sound. It was his own sound. And I remember right. sitting in the venue and nobody knowing what to do. They're like, what, what, what are we doing? I don't understand what's happening. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next thing you know, his album comes out and he just like, now, now look at him. He's like a plus, you know, country star. Yeah. Um, hmm. I think so. a couple stories with that. I saw Brett Eldridge came to my college. Well, oh, two, wow. actually two. Fun. My first semester of college, Josh Thompson who's a right. huge songwriter in Nashville, but he was an artist at the time. And that was one of the first records that got me like into country music. He came and played. And obviously like, he's still not like a household name famous wise. And he writes a lot with Thomas Rhett, but um, that was someone who like, I didn't know. And then I didn't even realize like when I, till years later, like, oh my God, he's written all these songs. Like, and it was that guy. And I love that first record. And um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, junior year of college, Brett Eldridge came to my school, um, and apparently, I don't remember this, but apparently Russell Dickerson opened for him, um, okay. and Brett had just put out his first record, which I love. And I love really all of Brett's stuff. Bring it back. I, I think, yeah, bring it back. I think he's one of the most underrated artists in country music. He's just so good. His, his tone. His, his voice. Let me tell you something. I don't listen to a lot of Christmas music when it's Christmas, but when you put right. out, you put on Brett Eldridge's Christmas. Dude, that guy has a voice on him that is like angelic. I don't know what it is, but that guy will yeah, serenade you, and it's crazy, man. He's a country. He's the country Sinatra, like I've been saying. Yes. He's a country crooner, yes. like or Michael Bublé, like he's that. He's so yeah. I agree. I don't really particularly care for Christmas music either, but um, and I haven't heard his records that much, but I, I I'm sure that I would like them for the Christmas ones. But yeah, I love his stuff, and then he. He got a lot bigger, obviously. He was pretty new back then. Um, the craziest story, though, is one that like I wasn't even there for, and I'm so upset, Like, kind of more in line with your Thomas Rhett one. I studied abroad my junior year of college uh, in the spring semester, and apparently when I was gone that spring semester, a guy named Sam Hunt came. Wow. And it was spring of, it was spring of 2014. He only had had, like, just put out the mixtape, the acoustic mixtape. His record wasn't out, but, like, man – and I and people told me like and I'm like oh cool I didn't miss anything like I was like I hadn't heard of that guy so but he's like literally one of my favorites as a writer as an artist like to this day and and I, I like can't believe I missed that like I I wouldn't have known obviously but it's just like damn that guy, I, you won't talk about someone who <laughs> people didn't know what to do with and that changed the game you know so I saw Sam Hunt ah uh, man. I think he, he he had a couple of songs that he come to a local festival we have here every year. That guy could put on a show, man. Sam Hunt is, I mean, he was tearing the house down. I mean, he closed the, the show with like um, house party 
and it was it was literally a party. I mean, they were throwing confetti yeah. down. It it was amazing what Sam Hunt could do. Yeah, he's he's incredible, man. I feel like, and I've heard so many stories about him. He's so he has such a high standard. Like he's almost like a pain to write with. I hear because he some of his songs take like five writing sessions, like over six months to finish. Like he's just so particular and very much like. A, but but know, look what that's done for him though. Being so oh, totally. you know it's what I mean? Amazing. Like, like no, I would it, sit, it's, I would sit through twelve writing sessions for twelve months, you know, just to have a writing credit on Sam Hunt's song because they're just so oh, particular how they go, you know. Absolutely. Oh, it's and and I learned I've learned a lot from that, and just in general because a lot of times it's like there's pressure in Nashville to like you know finish the song in one session or like write quickly and get it out, and there's some guys that do that really well, and like sometimes songs just fall out, and and. I think even when they do, it's it's good to like take a second look at them like with some fresh eyes, maybe like the next day, fresh ears. But, you know, there's definitely also something to really working on an idea and making sure it's the best that it can be and finding that balance. So I just I admire that. And he just doesn't he doesn't compromise, especially when it comes to his stuff. So I know I mean, that's definitely a kick myself like, holy shit, I might have even like had the chance to meet him back then because I like. <laughs> briefly met Brett like you know because yeah. he was just so new I don't know maybe not but I just tell myself um it would have been so cool it would have been so man to see Sam that early it was like early 2014 so um but you know there is a, maybe hopefully someday someone will say that about me that oh man I had a chance to see him and now look at now look at him so that's the um, dream though isn't it like that's the dream that's, to, that's, you know what I mean like it's the dream to say for those that said I'd fail, up yours, because yeah. here I am, you know. Yeah, I don't even want to say that to those people. I just want it to speak for itself, you know, because then it'll, it'll, I'll just be, it'll be undeniable. They can't right. say like, right. I'll just be there and they'll be like, oh shit, he's doing it. He's doing it. He's, he's successful. So, and I know success is a broad term and defined by many different things, but I think when, someone you have no connection to or any idea on the other side of the country hears your stuff or is a fan of your your stuff or like would come to pay to see you that's a measure of success so that i that i would be cool with so yeah man um yeah you've got so a hopefully lot, something you've got a lot of guitar stuff in the background i'm seeing uh what's kind of what's what are the coolest memorabilia things you have uh hmm. Actually, it's all the way, it's back in the other room and in the case, it's kind of going to get out, but I got a guitar uh, for my bar mitzvah uh, when I was 13 um, from a family friend. It was signed by Journey, the band. Like, uh, Cool, um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so it's, uh, and I played it when I was younger, I was an idiot and like played it a lot. Aww. So some of, the, some of the autographs are a little faded it's still, they're still all mostly there and you can see them, but like, that was kind of yeah. stupid on my part, but you live and you learn. So I love that one. Um, probably have some other things too, but that's definitely the first one that comes to mind. So. I have yeah. one of the original Woodstock posters hanging up. I, do you know how I that's found great. that? I found, we bought, I, I mean, I, fresh out of high school, I bought a stores locker. And it was full of just all these old vinyl records. And it had this rolled up 
in like a wow. tube and it was it was crazy like i got it graded and all that so i mean it, it's it's amazing wow okay so you got it like authenticated and everything yeah so like it was it was crazy oh. i was like there's no way and then i'm like there's no way of selling that so i'm like i gotta put it up somewhere yeah oh totally i i mean i have a lot of like i said i was a big comic book guy so i have a pretty like sizable collection back in the other room too and I have some like older ones that I'm pretty proud of. My grandpa wrote a couple back in the day. So a couple of his that he wrote and um, yeah, I got stuff like that too. I wish I had some cool vintage guitars. I don't have yeah. anything that's vintage or crazy expensive yet. I, I, I definitely hope to someday. Um, Nat, and, and every time I go to like the guitar stores here in Nashville, they have the craziest old school stuff. And it's just like someday I'm, I want one of those. <laughs> um i am also a big superhero fan as well big, big superhero nerd for the movies not really the comic books so i want to know from someone that read comic books as a kid has a collection in your mm -hmm. mind what is the best superhero slash comic book adaptation of a movie that's been released yeah adaptation is is the key um because i gotta say i mean i i'm honestly more of a dc guy than a marvel guy like i love right. marvel but I have a lot more DC comics. I read a lot more like big Superman fan, right. Batman, Green Lantern, all that, all that stuff. Unfortunately, as we know, most of the <laughs> adaptations have not, have not been great. I think, I mean, I actually think Henry Cavill is an awesome Superman. And the first he just Man got of Steel. Fed, he got fed a lot of bad scripts. He's a great, a great superhero. But the point is, it was just bad scripts, bad writing. Yeah, the movies, the movies around him were not what they should have been. I, I honestly thought Man of Steel was better than other people thought. I agree. No, I agree. It, it, but 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 otherwise, the rest of it was kind of like down downhill for sure. Um, and, and Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot's a great Wonder Woman, but um, the Batman choices of late have been very weird, in my opinion. I saw the new one with Robert Pattinson. Mm -hmm. It was okay, but I, to be honest, I love Batman. I have a lot of Batman books, but I'm a little sick of new Batman movies with different Batman because yeah. like DC has so many more characters to explore. Like get like get off of Batman. Like this is why DC's not as successful as Marvel. So I, I'd have to say probably my favorite adaptation is probably it might be Captain America. Yeah. It's either Captain America or Iron Man because I just think there's such a that first Iron Man though, man. When it come out in oh oh eight, I think it when it come out, dude. That yeah. was, I mean, that was it was killer because it, it was like changed. it's amazing. Yeah, it just changed everything, man, and and it just showed it really truly brought it to life. Like I truly believe that it's funny because I think a lot of people forget Chris Evans, guy who played Captain America, was like played Johnny Storm in like those those old Fantastic Four yeah. movies from like. Yeah, which is funny. And there's been, there's, there's been a lot of a number of those actors that played that have that have kind of double dipped in these universes. Like, wait, you were this guy and now you're this guy. You can't be both kind of thing. Or like, See, that's that's where but, uh, I stand with if you have ever played a superhero successfully or failed, you should not no longer be allowed to play in any superhero movie, a villain, superhero, anything, because it confuses people like, yeah, you are that you are that. So, but I loved, I mean, man, I also really think that the, the new Spider-Man, all of them, all of the different Spider-Man have been great and kind of like different versions of Peter Parker. But to me, like the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man is the most. Right. Um, right. Well, actually, you know what? I love the Tom Holland one. 
to me, like the most accurate and the best adaptation in my mind is actually the Andrew Garfield one. I, I agree that. because because what I I still say Tobey Maguire is the best just because that's what I grew up on. I went and saw all the movies. Yeah, we grew up as a kid. Yeah. But when you actually look at the data, the Andrew Garfield Spider Man was actually using the comic book type of comedic that Spider Man was. Yeah, you know what I mean. The like, personality a lot more faithfully. Like, like it it. it he still dealt with serious shit and was always having a right. life crisis, one life crisis after another, kind of like Tobey Maguire. But he had the humor and the wit. Right. And of course, oh, and in, in that same vein, how could I forget Deadpool? Deadpool's adaptation, amazing, legendary. Ryan Reynolds was born to play Deadpool. Perfect. Like, that's probably actually number one, if I had to say anything. But Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is up there because, to me, he's the most accurate from the comics. Like, that had serious shit and drama and, and heroism but there is a humor there. So, and, and I think Tom Holland has the humor piece too, but he's like the high schooler. To me, I, I always imagine Peter Parker as like mid to late twenties, you know, trying to figure out his life, like on the verge of success as, you know, personally, professionally as Spider-Man and uh, with, you know, Gwen or, or Mary Jane or whoever, but dealing with a lot of crises and then he has, and then he had, but he has that humor. So to me, Andrew is like, the most comic book and comic obviously of of all of them and then but i deadpool yeah no i got deadpool's got to be he just is deadpool i mean but here jackman is all is wolverine and, and you know i did you see the new doctor strange not yet man and i'll tell you why i, I will tell you why marvel after the last avengers Right after the mm -hmm. last Avengers, you know, they got rid of everybody, the older people. To me, Marvel has just become this big pile of boring. Like, it, like there, now there's no, there's really no characters that I care to see anymore. I wouldn't see the Doctor Strange if it didn't have anything to do with what happened after the Spider Man. Like, now you kind of have to watch it. So, like, you know, they got Thor coming out, Guardians of the Galaxy, sure. Yeah. But I, I just find that once they got rid of the original Avengers, there's really no standstill giant superheroes that are going to capture my mind to go back and watch. I think there will be. I think they're kind of just trying to make sure to not overload people and make them tired tired of it. I'm hoping. Um, but, but I hear what you're saying. I do. Um which is why, again, I thought DC had an amazing opportunity. They were trying too hard to like be like Marvel and and catch catch up. Like the Justice League, the, the Dawn of Justice movie with Batman and Superman. It's like they're fitting like four things in one, like six things in one to try and catch up. And like, oh, it was a Justice League movie already. The great thing about Marvel is it was this gradual build, and then like the yeah. post credit scenes where it's like, oh, they're hinting at this guy and that guy, and it's all coming together. So when the actual Avengers came together, it was amazing. <clears throat> um, you know, it, I, I, I find this the best thing about Marvel versus what DC should do. There's, mm -hmm. there's three different Spider-Mans, right? Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland. What they did was to counter-react and say, oh, we've, only, we've had three people play Spider-Man. Boom, they bring in a multiverse. Makes sense by their three in different years. They could, yeah. if DC could figure out a way to do that with like Batman or Superman, I think it could counter-react the way DC's heading. Could I think also and DC's never had the autonomy in a studio the way Marvel has with Kevin Feige. Like, sure, yeah. Jeff Johns and some people from DC Comics have worked on DC films, but from what I hear, it's always like been the studio heads and the non-creatives have kind of like been running the ship, and that's not the way you want to do it. So, 
like Suicide Squad's a great example. Like they made two movies and both of them, like one, one was better than the other, but they still weren't that great. And they were hoping that that was going to be like their Guardians of the Galaxy, you know? Dude, did you um, see Peacemaker? Did you ever get a chance to watch that? I I start I, I I need to get that's one of the shows. Thanks for reminding me. I watched like the first two episodes. I then I like got. I'm gonna tell you something, shit. man. It's fantastic. I like it. It is. I like fantastic. it. I it it's one of the surprisingly. I'll tell you surprisingly, it's one of the shows that had me going. Damn, I can't wait till Friday. And then when Friday happened, it was like, okay, I'm done with my stuff. I got to watch it. Like, it's one of those shows, yeah. surprisingly, that mm-hmm. took over. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, no, I, I've heard, I really liked what I watched. I got, sorry, <sighs> long day yesterday. Um, I got, I got to finish it. I, I it, it's great. So I, I do like that. And John Cena's a hilarious, he's, he's one of those guys. He's kind of, he kind of reminds me of Mark Wahlberg, like, he, they kind of look similar too, both you know former like as in that they're not and, great actors, but they try really hard and it makes them good because they try really hard. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe I don't think they're terrible actors, but also their ability to do humor and serious stuff. That's true. Whether, That's true. however, like they have some nice versatility, you know. However, you know they might not be the best actors ever, but for the kinds of movies they're doing and kinds of characters. Um, I think they have some some nice versatility. They're obviously very physical too. Did you see that Dwayne um, Johnson finally got his superhero movie? Because you know, yeah, Black I, Adam. I, I yeah. love I love Dwayne Johnson, but for me, he was trying to be a superhero too much in movies. Like it was almost always too much. That's to just rock. like what he is. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> and then he finally that's, got see, it. That's and always, I'm like, okay, now you now you have to stop that's in always, movies. <laughs> So to me, that's always a problem with super famous art, like actors who are already super famous playing yeah. superheroes. Like that's why the Ben Affleck playing Batman thing is weird. Cause like, I don't see Batman. I just see Ben Affleck. I don't see right. Rob, Robert Pattinson. I kind of was a little, it was a little bit more believable. as like just Bruce Wayne, but like not really, really it was Christian Bale. And obviously like I've seen the older Batmans too, like with Michael Keaton and, and Michael Keaton definitely was, was a good Batman, but the thing about Christian Bale is he was like not unknown, but like he wasn't a mega star in the same way that he. I mean, he's, he just was Bruce Wayne to me, and and Batman. And the same thing with uh, with Henry Cavill. He was so unknown, like he just was Superman. Like now, like the and same with Christopher Reeve. He was so. I think sometimes when you have an uh, someone that's already like super famous, it's kind of hard to cast them as a superhero because the superhero need, identity needs to take precedence over their right. fame as an actor. Like, you know, but, but at the same time, I mean, it worked with Robert Downey Jr. Like he became Iron Man, like, but, but I, and, and Ryan Reynolds, he was already a suit. He was already a Green Lantern for God's sake, but he, he worked as Deadpool. So I, I couldn't, I can't say that that's always the case. I just think as a general rule of thumb, you know, I guess Thor, uh, the actor wasn't super famous. Uh, no. Chris Hemsworth wasn't maybe as famous before. Chris Evans, Captain America. I don't know. I mean, I loved. I, you know, what's funny is a lot of people don't remember he was in the Perfect Score, which is one of like my favorite movies with uh, Scarlett Johansson. They were like the original Avengers team stealing the uh, stealing the uh, you know the scores to, to the answers to the SAT. Okay, and, uh, I've never seen that. I don't think. Oh man, you got to see it. It's a classic like teen movie. It's so great. Um, and but I so I don't really remember how famous Chris Evans was before Captain America, but he's to me he just is Captain America. He is, you know, and I, and same thing, like, I didn't really see, um, certainly Ed, uh, Ed Norton and 
somewhat Mark Ruffalo. It was kind of hard to see them as the Hulk Mark a little bit more, but I just kind of saw them as like them. Eric Bano was a bit better of a Hulk. Yeah, I found I found Marvel, the newer Marvel's cast of the Hulk. I, I kind of found that a little flawed. It, it, it didn't go for me. Like I think, and I'm kind of glad that Mark Ruffalo did not get a standalone Hulk movie because I don't think it'll mm-hmm. work. I mean, I'm gonna, I definitely see it, uh, but but I don't th- I, I, I I don't buy Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. I I think it's a little he's a little too goofy like uh, for it. Like I know? think he's good. He, he's definitely good, and he works well with the other actors in, in 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 the Avengers movies. But he wouldn't have necessarily been my pick for right for a standalone. Yeah, but I don't know who who it would have been either. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm yawning so much. <clears throat> I drove like 10 hours yesterday back and then was up late, like just getting everything settled back in. You know, I, I, I kind of can't, I'm that kind of person that can't like, can't settle until like, like uh, my stuff is settled, like unpacked Me and everything. Too. Like if there is dishes in the sink, I, I can't go yeah. to sleep knowing that the, that the kitchen's dirty. I, I can't do that. Yeah. But Man, look, I'm going to go ahead, give you the floor. Go ahead and uh, put out all your information, what you want to promote, things like that. Take all the time you need, and uh, we'll get you off here. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And again, thank you so much for having me. This is this has been a ton of fun, and um, if you're ever in Nashville, let me know. And um, if I'm ever down near Biloxi, hopefully you know, playing some shows, I'll let you know as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, my name is Dan Harrison. Um, I'm on all the socials at Dan Harrison Music. Um, I'm also, and I have some stuff, some solo stuff out. I'm also in a duo called Salem town. Um, and we're on socials at, at, I love Salem town, kind of like the, I love New York thing, but Salem town's one word with no E on the end. And, um, been putting out a lot of new music with them. We're going to be on the road pretty soon and, and, uh, got some new music coming out and super excited about it. And, uh, got a lot of, a lot of fun things in the works and music with other artists and, um, so yeah, if you guys, anyone wants to check it out, just go to wherever you stream music or on Instagram. So. Cool, Dan. Look, man, I appreciate it very much you doing this and uh, glad we finally got our schedules aligned and we were able to do it. Me too, man. I really appreciate it and uh, love, to, love to come back anytime. Absolutely, dude. All right, dude. Have a good one, man. I'll let you go. You too. All take right, care. Peace. Bye.